0: and welcome to the Football Filmcast. We're back and badder than ever. And we've got a great film for you to discuss. And with me this week to extol the virtues are Matt Guy. Hello, how are we doing? We've got Richard Hobbs. Hello everyone. And we've got Stu Hall.
1: This time it really is a great film.
0: Really is a great film. And unlike last time you haven't had to wait like six months for another episode... Really hope everybody enjoyed The Damned United. But today we're here to discuss something quite different. We're here for the big Dave Batista starring in the West Ham-centric film Final Score. Described on IMDb as, After deadly terrorists abduct his niece at a soccer match, an ex-soldier with lethal fighting skills wages a one-man war to save her and prevent mass destruction. And it sounds something like this.
2: You know who I am. Yes. Good. Dimitri. tell me where he is. The
3: atmosphere is Electro West Ham's last ever match here. Come on! Make the ball straight up. Don't mind.
0: You know nothing about football.
3: Emotions running high in what promises to be a dramatic dogfight.
2: Lockers down.
4: Gates are jammed shut. No one in or out at the moment. Can you take me up to the control room? How come you've got Ron's
2: badge on? (laughs) 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 Anyone
4: Anyone on this frequency? (laughs) What are we dealing with? We know Dimitri Pella. He
1: is somewhere in this stadium. If this location is not given to us, we will detonate the explosives. The clock is ticking. Tick.
4: Don't. A C4. You mean like highly expressive C4? It's going to be all right. I'm covered in blood and carrying explosives, but don't worry about it.
2: Arcade, he doesn't care about the casualties. As soon as he has Dimitri, the Wolf Stadium. What if we get to him first? been calling for you, so watch yourself. How many? I count counted Ten. Three less than 20 minutes ago. Sometimes you have to sacrifice the thing you love for the greater good.
3: It's the
0: So, as we're recording in October, and obviously October is the season of The Witch, today's warm-up question is a simple one. Recommend me a film about witches. Stu? Can I just
1: cheat and just say The Witch? <laughs> because...
0: Oh, the, um, the vi- Vivitch. So the one the... from like five years ago which had two Vs at the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one, excellent. One of the most excellent horror films of the last 20 years? Is that too much of a stretch to say? Because it's, I it's absolutely loved it. I loved it. Yeah. It's, it's weird, it's a bit what is the gen- it's kind of a genre on its own? Right? This kind of weird like out there kind of Trippy horror. It's, it's yeah, not so, it's, psychological. It's not kind of in your face. It's a bit of everything. It's its own messed up world of it's all, all of its own making. Then yeah, four is. films. It kind of
0: reminds me of a field in England. It's got that sort of. It's a period piece, but with not quite otherworldly, but not quite of this world
1: horror tropes to it. Really yeah, good it, choice, though. It's it's in it's strange enough to. Um, to have its own, I mean, you, you could put it with the um, obviously, he's only made two films that and The Lighthouse so far. Um, but then our favorite is Midsummer. that's obviously in the same genre of weirdness,
2: yeah. so yeah,
1: absolutely. But when you said it, I mean, that was what stood out to me because of that was the one I watched last, so I'll take the easy option. <laughs> Fair enough, Rich. What have you got?
4: So, I'm, I'm gonna say I didn't misread the question. I actually took it quite literally and it says oh, a film with witches in it, or a witch in it. So I am denied, because I'm, I'm for, for Brian my sins I guess in this group, I'm not a massive fan of horror movies. Mm. It's not really been ever something I've really kind of got into. So I was in the nodding, I go D- do I go hocus pocus? No. So I, I've settled on Princess Bride. Oh
0: yeah, that, that's a top film. Thought, I didn't yeah. say it had to be horror, so oh, yeah, I fully endorse
4: that one. Um, number one, running order, I've got a him, him phone just to double check, because when she was like, film about witches, I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think Princess Bride, I think, you know, it's not exactly going to be um, the hottest take in the world to say it is a bloody brilliant film, mm-hmm. and arguably one of the uh, I guess most quotable um, rom-coms for what uh, it's not even a rom-com. Yeah. is it, It's a comedy with a romantic story within it, but it, 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 it's a wonderful film. Um, yeah, and I feel like you know if, if we're going to sort of have one involving a witch, I don't think it can uh, go um, unsaid. No,
0: nope, that is absolutely fair. Uh, so, Matt, what is your wishy film?
3: Um, honorable mention, the fact that they are doing a remake of The Witches with Anne Hathaway, um, which is, I think it's going to be a Disney Plus streamable thing. I know it might not be Disney okay. Plus, but really looking forward to that, because I, The Witches absolutely terrified me when I was yeah. young. It's I went to see it at the, the Grand Theatre, and I, my, na- my, nan had to, yeah. my nan had to take me out, because I was so scared. I can imagine. Um that I saw it not too
0: long ago again and it, it still gets you. It is very terrifying, the ending. Oh,
3: and that was the worst 21st birthday of my life, that was. <laughs> and um, But no, my my actual film um, would be two, the 2011 film um, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I can't even tell you about the bit when there's a witch in it because it'll actually <laughs> ruin the film. Um, but there is a witch in it amongst a lot of other ghouls and, and, and so on and so forth. But it's a really... It, it pokes fun at the genre itself, um, and it goes beyond the fourth wall really, and discusses kind of some of the cliches and tropes within kind of horror, and tries to just play on the fact that you've you've seen it all before in, in, in films like Scream, etc., where you have you know the jock and the and the virgin and the and the fool and everything. Nice job, and then the ending is something completely original that I hadn't seen before. Um, so I'd go out your way to watch it. I don't think you'll be disappointed.
0: It's a great choice. I do like it. It's,
3: um, it's a
0: lot smarter than mm-hmm. you actually think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, great one. Uh, my recommendation, because we've basically watched a B-movie for this, I've gone for a B-movie-style recommendation. It's a film called Season of the Witch.
1: Oh, it's... the Romero one?
0: No, no, the, um, the one from, is it 2011, I think it was, and it's starring our favourite, Nick Cage, and it's also got the film cast stalwart Stephen Graham in. It's the kind of film you can properly just rip to shreds. It's (laughs) awful, but it's an enjoyable experience if you're just there to have a bit of a giggle at something bad. So that would be uh, my recommendation. So we'll go on to... Season of the Witch was
1: 1973, the one I was thinking of, George A. Romero.
0: Oh, no, no, it's the one, Is it? I think it was 2011, the uh, the Nick Cage one. It's sort of like a faux swords and sandals kind of uh, <laughs> piece. It's a, Ron Perlman's in it as well. It's oh, a bit yeah. of a shocker. Every, every box took ticks for that one. It, exactly. It, it's fun, but shockingly bad. <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to the final score. This was released jointly by Sky, and it was put into cinemas both on the same day. It was the 7th of September, 2018. And unlike now, the real world was in a right mess. There was political chaos in the UK and the US as the Democrats won back the House and Theresa May gambled and completely shit the bed. Uh, The hashtag MeToo movement started a shockwave, which we're still feeling the effects of now, and reporter Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by, and I should put this diplomatically, the brutal, murderous bastard Saudi (laughs) Crown Prince (laughs) Mohammed bin Salman. September 18 was also when the season was just getting underway. The Premier League Goal of the Month was scored by Daniel Sturridge. The Player of the Month was Eden Hazard. And the Premier League Manager of the Month was none other than Nuno Espirito Santo. Wolves were starting their first season back amongst the elite of British football, the season ended with a 7th place finish FA Cup semi-final and a guarantee of european football for the first time in 30 odd years surely fellas this was the best season of our lifetime
1: there's sure. been nothing
0: quite up there with that one for me yet
1: every time we've done this and um, we've you've linked back to walls of the time and it's always always been shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I thought, there's nothing to say about this one because it was the best year of our lives <laughs> Yeah, it was a thing of beauty. It was, it was almost like an artist painted
0: it.
3: It was that fantastic. Mm. You'll never take away the the feeling of that uh, United um, quarterfinal. Like that'll that'll never go now. As far as like, until I'm senile and I'm pissing the pissing the bed, I'll always have that <laughs> and I'll always smile. And I'll, there's there's a picture on my Instagram of like. I was going through a really like mental um, challenging time, and there's a picture of me on with just this huge grin on my face. And oh my god, I, I get I get shocked, like I get goosebumps thinking about that match now. Just how great that season was, and every every single week was just something, just extra, just fantastic. Really, really hard to replicate. It is. It is.
0: So for the older listeners, you probably already know the score, but any new ears, the Filmcast is here to rank every football film ever made based upon the five pillars of what makes a great footballing movie, and that would be the cultural impact, the footballing authenticity, the football stars, the non-footballing story, and your overall enjoyment of the film. So I think we should start with the non-footballing story, because let's be honest, that makes up the vast majority of this film. (laughs) To call this a football film is, it's very loose, isn't it? I mean, it's a football film in the way that the Titanic is about a film about uh, boats, I think.
1: It counts, boy.
0: It counts just about. Just about, yes, absolutely. But I've got to say, I really enjoyed it. It was, it's not the most challenging of plots. It basically starts off with Dave Batista going to visit the daughter of his deceased Captain in the army, yeah. and then shit breaks loose.
4: Stop you there, Andy. It doesn't start with that, does it? It starts with a backlog about the Russian a civil war <laughs> <happened in> Russia, <laughs> and then yeah. it then cuts to Dave Batista, the American soldier who is who then comes over to England to see his deceased best mate's family. That's how it starts, which is already, should we say, convoluted at best, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> and the um, the substitute Russian city is very similar to the one from uh, the MCU as well, which are yeah <laughs> fireworks.
4: <laughs> I think you just got to change on stuff. Sort of the word MCU.
1: No, he <laughs> uh, gets excited like everyone should. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I thought they said Sir Calvi. I thought, what is this link? Is this, this canon?
3: See, I, I I heard something else. I thought this. I thought I flicked over to the terminal with Tom Hanks.
2: I thought that was how that
3: started. <laughs> That's why he's like locked in the airport.
0: But I've got to say, I thought it was quite an interesting opener to a film that all I knew about it was that it's been described as Die Hard in a football ground. So to give us something a little bit different, it just sort of. I don't know, it just wasn't what I was expecting. So I quite enjoyed that little sojourn to, to Russia, almost.
3: I like yeah, it was... how it, it flipped to um, two tribes. Is that Frank <laughs> goes to Hollywood? I like, is that, is that... Yeah. Um, and then I thought, oh, now it's going to be like the business. Now we're getting into the actual, it's going to start showing hooligans and it's going to be Green Street and Football Factory mm. and everything else. Um, and I thought, okay, now we're now, now we going. And then he jumps in that taxi and starts slagging off football. I thought, oh, okay, here we go. So, obviously, we get to the football ground and then Big
0: Dave somehow gets taken away from his niece and whilst looking for her. He ends up in one of my favourite scenes in this film was this fight scene that was set just purely in an elevator. It it wasn't even a big elevator. They just about squeezed three people in there and they started kicking lumps out of each other. I thought that
4: was really well done. Proper. Um, Captain America, Winter Soldier, yeah, he, yeah. wasn't it? Where you know it, he's already like a bit unsure about what's happening. He's not. He knows something's gonna go down, and everyone knows something's gonna go down. It's not gonna just be a fake out. And you know, I, I'd I'd make the note about the um, about the fight seat in the elevator. I say it was a- so cramped, so there was barely any room for them to like actually scrap it out but also with um the other actor uh, the other character Faisal uh, Faisal, mm. I, Faisal I, I, yeah they made the, a the joke in the film and I still messed it up uh, <laughs> Faisal and um you know so he's almost getting in the way a lot of the time and it wasn't you know it, this film has got its flaws and I think ju- judging by the reactions of Andy when I gave my initial scores I'm probably the minority, and probably the most vocal about them, uh, <laughs> but the action scenes were done really well. Yeah. Like, surprise it! And don't get me wrong, like, we've all watched enough action films to see a you know, a, um action scene go down in a kitchen, in like, and, and stuff like that. But actually, there's some really kind of cool takes in it, in terms of like. You know, having to sort of put his hand in the deep fat fly to get the knife and stuff like that, and you know, I, I thought the, the action bits worked really well, and the and the, um, the bike chase, All right, it's completely ludicrous. Wouldn't happen in the football stadium. But again, it sort of links back. You know how you know they played two tribes uh, again, and it, that, both bits were really good, but I thought the plot was not great. It seemed very it. It felt like they had an idea to essentially do another Die Hard, um, yeah. but like we needed to sell it for a UK audience because I was trying to work it out. There was no feasible reason that couldn't have let's see, let's say, been shot in an American football stadium, or basically any other sporting venue in the world. <laughs> it was we need to get somehow Russian people. To a sporting event, so we can use a stadium, mm. and i was like, well, you know, this um, this war criminal is has got him to hide for the past ten years, was it something like yeah, that? Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: But he needs to go to watch Europa League qualifiers,
1: <laughs> of course. But you have you have got that situation where Osama Bin Laden went to Arsenal all the time, so
4: <laughs> yeah, that was pre two thousand and one.
1: But he could have done stuff before. Then we just don't know.
3: Well, we have we have to question the validity of this film with the fact that West Ham are in supposedly the Europa League semi-final.
2: <laughs> <Because then> it, <laughs> do
3: you know what I mean? I mean that that's lost a point in, in itself, really. I thought the plot was yeah, you know, it was um, it could have been anywhere in the world, and it is a bit of a Die rip rip-off. But I think I, I quite enjoyed um, I quite enjoyed it. I think the reason I put my like the the plot as a three, I believe on my, on my score is that it held itself um, pretty well as he, you know, eliminates one by one. He's the, the end of level bosses as he goes through the, you know, the, 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 uh, the hierarchy of the, of the mobsters or the, or the, um, the bad guys in this film. And I think it was, it was pretty well done. The, The comic elements were done not too sparingly, but they wasn't shoehorned in as well to make it, actually just a bit of a silly nonsense i think the comic elements were were pretty well done as well and you know it's one of those popcorn films that you don't have to really pay too much attention to but at the same time if you do blink you will miss actually something quite visually visually exciting even if it makes absolutely no sense and there's no way that the crowd wouldn't see half the stuff that happened (laughs) which is really like just bizarre
4: I, i mean i gave it free as well for sort of similar reasons actually like i do think say it could have happened anywhere and you know but the, the the logic of the plot is a little bit wonky but it it does sort of follow a a, a threadish should say like it, it kind of everything is sort of there for a reason mm-hmm. um, you know it's not just you know it you know it's not just sort of a case of it's being done randomly um so I really enjoyed all of that. Um, in it, 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 you know, one thing I did enjoy, um, is in sort of the first half of an hour, I did sort of almost do a checklist of stereotypes of London slash football stadiums. The <laughs> <laughs> first, what, 10 15 minutes of the film, you look, you go to London, I think they showed a shot of London
1: Eye. Um, yeah, and they, goes on the a, gherkin.
4: yeah they do gherkin, gets in a black cab, goes to a <laughs> Very British pub, goes to a football ground. They're basically underground. (laughs) It it is just like almost pay. It's like, what would happen if you, you know, you just asked a random stranger, "Look, you're going to London. What might you see?" And Mm. it's it's it all.
1: It's got it all. Talk sports on the radio in the taxi as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, I thought Dave Batista was really good, and like I think they did a really good job of. You know, what I'm thinking, this is probably like the first film he's been the sort of the lead character.
0: It's the first film he's been the lead character that has sort of gone to the cinemas. He's you know, a few sort of straight-to-DVD films that never did anything. This is the first one that's had a little bit of something about it.
4: Because I think sort of beyond this, obviously he's known for his sort of his pre-acting career being in in wrestling. And then I, I guess anyone a lot like myself, he's not massively mm. interested, knows him from Guardians of the Galaxy mm. so, uh, you know, when we're sort of talking about those comic moments, he's obviously a very sort of dry whip when he's performing mm. but, and they're anxious, is it literally just going to be like a human version of Drax just
0: <laughs>
4: and, yeah, you know, sort of and it and it kind of was, but it was it did feel a bit separate
1: um, mm-hmm. Is that about Drax? He looks bigger than when he's playing Drax. He looks massive yeah. in this. He's absolutely, yeah. absolutely huge. I mean, he stood next to like skinny, smackhead-looking folks, though. To be fair, so I <laughs> suppose that helps. Apart from the apart from the one guy who, with the tattoos on his head, who looked like his arms were sellotaped on. I've seen like, him in so got... many things. He's unbelievable. That you know, what, dude is. Why is Why are his arms up here when he's like, above his shoulders? Yeah, when you... they're just taken from his neck as well. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Again, a note I made, because like, he looked
4: like the hardest henchman, didn't he?
2: Yeah.
4: Like, he, he, so I kind of assumed he'd die a good way into the film. Most likely he'd have killed you know, um, Batista's sidekick sort of thing. Cause that's usually what happens, isn't it? Mm. But he dies inexplicably early. Like, he, yeah. just dies, he dies in what is essentially a second fight scene.
0: Yeah. So I think I, I've seen that dude in quite a few films now, and I think this must be quite early in his career. So whilst he looks like a main eventer, he isn't quite there yet in this part of his career. But he's now at the point where he's almost like the, the second in command. Yeah, but I've got to say, like
4: they showed I, him Leon as well, and I thought, uh, like I say, you look at the size and you're like, it, it'll be a proper ding dong between those two. Mm. And they sort of save that for the the female. Um, antagonist Tatiana I was yeah. a bit almost, disappointed because I, I quite enjoyed sort of their uh, their running um but yeah for for that, thought that was interesting um, again sort of take on it mm. uh, yes.
1: yeah. modern world eh? modern world yeah it's all, it's
4: all well, I, I've got
0: to say like I'm a big fan of a genre film I, I like ones where they try and play within the, the set rules of whatever genre it's supposed to be and I felt that this film, it did that, but as you say, it tried to throw in a few subversions of it. So the second in command was a woman. That is very unusual. We don't generally see that. So I felt that it it was a genre film, but it also tried to push boundaries slightly, which it had no reason to. Let's be perfectly honest. This was a film to try and get Sky Cinemas up and going as a, a, a thing in, in British cinema, I suppose. So I mean, I really enjoyed this film. I thought the actual story
1: itself was just good mindless fun. Yeah, you had i to say you had the um his daughter as well being a bit of a bit of a wild wild child as well, not just an innocent little kid. But mm. the, uh, the the headbutt and stuff and um, pushing that dickhead bloke who she was with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what you have got to question his motives when it's a, it's a European semi final and he's trying to get his end away under the stand amongst the rubbish. <laughs> you, think, you shouldn't be getting a ticket for these kind of games if, you, if this is
3: what you want.
2: Well, yeah, one 0 so gonna...
3: down at this point, mate. You know, the North Bank would have emptied at this point.
2: So, you <laughs>
1: know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I mean, this I mean, this kind of thing, I mean, I, I, I mean I've I, said that on here and uh, Cage Fighting, check it out, um, where Die Hard is my favourite film of all time. And this was. When, as soon as I read that in Doar and football, well, it, t- it ticks every single box. <laughs> you even had went when when he was um, writing the names of the people down on his arm, exactly like John McClain. <laughs> yes. Now is- this
4: was sort of my sticking point in the film, and I've said it um, before we started recording. It's what's your cut-off point between a motif and basically copying, because. Die Hard's almost set, you know, literally, there are films which, as said, Die Hard in a football stadium. It almost kind of has defined almost a action genre of sort of, you know, being locked in with the baddies. Um, so for me, I almost found it not annoying because we talked about actually, it's not a stupid film. Like, it does some fairly smart um, subversions, as we said. So, did he need to just sort essentially copy Die Hard, or did you mm. see it as um, inspiration rather than?
1: Yeah, that's what okay. as, yeah has been the number one Die Hard fan in the world. This, I mean, my PSN account name is John McLean's Vest, so you can add me on PlayStation if you want. Um <laughs> For that reason, because I love Die Hard so much, and I thought, oh, that's a nice touch, because it, it wasn't like it wasn't like force awakens being a remake of the new hope where it's just it's almost scene for scene it wasn't completely like that there was just odd odd nodes to it and i liked it being like that i thought it was quite a cute way to do things because there was no like watching people falling out of windows and all that kind of thing and it it weren't machine guns and jumping through glass and the shoes it it weren't every single thing that you could think of of diehard in this film there was just the odd the odd nod to it which i liked
3: yeah, I, it was more of a homage for me than than anything. I mean, yeah. a lot of the things that happened that you probably associate with Diard, you know, rightly or wrongly, are going to happen anyway in any scenario if this was ever realistic in any capacity. The police would swarm in and somebody, you know, you're <laughs> going to communicate with the outside world. There's no there's no way of getting around. That's just how these things would go. So, um, but then again, I'm not as... Um, I'm not as big into kind of those 80s slash early 90s, um, big arm flexing action films as Stewie's. So I haven't seen as many as he probably has. <laughs> um, so for me, yeah. me, for, me, for me it seemed quite like, you know, quite fresh and quite, quite exciting. Virgin on ridiculous. Don't get me wrong in some, in some parts, but um, the, um, like it's silly little things like, um, when uh, he's with Dimitri and he's running through the concourse before he gets into the toilet, and the bad guys just shoot at will, like, not, like, not trying <laughs> yeah. not to hit him, just trying to hit Batista. Do you know what I mean? Silly little things like that. And then, I was thinking about this, I was like, I don't know explosives in any capacity, but if you stuck a
1: phone in a piece of C4, is that enough to make it explode? Is that a thing? <laughs> um... Well, he said, that you're... You need an, an accelerant or something. And mm. if you sh- shoot the phone to make it spark, then I spark in theory it would do.
4: Mm. I'd assume the bullet would be able to do the job on the C4 to make it ignite, rather than needing a, a spark from a phone. But...
1: but It's just a bullet into, in, into explosive. It? it was a way yeah. for him to throw a phone. That's yeah. All you need to... <laughs> yeah, that's literally all it was. See, what they should
3: have done is done like a 3310, shot the bullets and let it ricochet off the phone <laughs> into, <laughs> into somebody else. Yeah. So I think that's a good point to move on to the
0: football in authenticity now. Now, there isn't actually a lot of football in this film. There's like a few two or three second interstitials between what's going on in the crowd. So for me, the authenticity comes from the setup of the actually being there. I felt when we were outside of the ground, and it was all sort of it was bustling. They did make it feel almost like when when we've been to some big games. It did have that frenetic feel. The, the crowd seemed to be quite excited and up for the fact that it was a big match. I thought it was a it was good football authenticity from a fans' point of view, more so than
1: from a footballing point of view personally. Stu, what, what do you think? Yeah, I had exactly exact same thing. I thought, well, it, it was. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have surprised me if they filmed that during games just to get that kind of feel and then just mm. shot a few things like they did with goal and just like jumped in for a 15 minute here and there so it would have been an actual crowd I'm, I'm guessing I, mean, I don't know but um it did look re- that looked real it didn't seem out of place the the actual shots on the pitch my usual thing about goalkeepers that There was a couple of moments, but they they didn't show them. So, oh, nice way to get around things. And having Jonathan Pierce as well, I think that worked well because he's he's got his attitude shots with Robot Wars and things like that that he's done in the past. And I just liked it. It was as authentic as it could possibly be for the brief moments that we had on screen, Maybe. Mm. Yeah, so I was going
4: to say, I um, I was less frightened towards it chiefly because. there wasn't any football and the football that was there it was very you know uh, unlike some of the other stuff that we've watched which has been i guess sort of semi clips and you know or it's been you know actors who dabble in football or things like this i tried to sort of dig and find out who was actually you know because it was just make-believe um, West Ham players, because I, I was like pausing it and I was like, Garver playing right back. They had a called Garver. <laughs> you know, <they> got <laughs> a lot of fallbacks in their time. Um, but um, it was when they were sort of uh, jump, to be fair, it was when he was jumping from one stand to the other. But they did do a free kick going in that was in four takes, mm. of which I'm pretty sure between take three and four, like the projector of the ball just. It was like a Ronaldo free kick all of a sudden. Um, You know, I I, I get the point in terms of match atmosphere, but, uh, you know, in the build-up outside the stadium, it did almost have that feel of it. But as soon as they were in the confines of the stadium, you know, even things like what was going on, um, you know, obviously it has to be filmed, but, you know, where we're doing the shots on the stand and, you know, you know, you guys know as well, don't you? you can't just really move seats on, you know, in, in a semi-final. It's <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, come sit by us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll I, I sort of review my uh, my score because one thing sort of looking back on it, I, I did like, um, I guess it sort of does go into the football authenticity. Um, what was sort of the, the abuse the stewards get? It's <laughs> been like, disregardful or like essentially their authority um because that sort of hits it hits the nail on the head. Mm. um it, 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 it was sort of tough for this film though chiefly because you say it's not really about the football, so it's I guess sort of anyone sort of in and around it. um you know it does sort of make out that, that there are actually very few people who work in a football stadium though. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like it is for people you literally is security and the 20 odd player, you know, 22 players mm. and staff on the pitch. You know, it doesn't yeah. have like all the other people, you know, didn't have you know, say for the uh, you know, for, for any of the fight scene, you know, especially sort of the fight scene in the hospitality bit, you know, but they didn't have any of the VIPs go, you know, you don't have mm. um you know um the dildo brothers pop out and you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know what's happening um, yeah. But, yeah so matt i think you gave it a 3 if i remember correctly yeah i did um i did what what's your opinions on it where did I you thought, get your score
4: from
3: well i thought you're right again about the um <clears throat> the the atmosphere at the outside of the ground but i thought actually you know it's clear that they've used a legitimate stadium somewhere. I don't know which stadium they've used, but they've, they've used some form of, um, entertainment event or a stadium. Um, you know, the little, little things really like, you know, me and, you know, me and Batista are a similar frame, believe it or not. So I've <laughs> had trouble getting through those turnstiles like him as well. Um, but I thought that was like a nice little thing of like, him trying to get through the turnstiles. we've all had that in the, in the Steve Bull upper and lower. That was like the, like the oldest style, <laughs> um, turnstiles. And, I thought they did a good job of that, and the these shots were done in a really nice way um, over the stadium, and and the the crowds were okay. So when he's when he's eventually with the Dynamo, oh, I keep wanting to say Dynamo, like red, like an actual team, but they're not, are they? No, um, they're from so yeah. yeah. So they that that bit was a little hokey because they were, I don't know. They weren't quite like lunatic fans, but they also like as soon as they've conceded, they were just kind of like clapping yeah. along as yeah. if they were just like there, like a tourist was there like like they've just been given mm. some tourist tickets for free. Um, I thought it was I thought it was okay having Jonathan Pierce gives it literally an extra points because it gives it a bit of legitimacy. Mm. Um, and all I could think about was Robot Wars. Funnily enough, um, <laughs> but. For, uh, the shortest amount of time, like a split second, I thought, he's one of the bad guys, Martin Skirtle. But then it wasn't. Sadly, which would have given it a, a point in an area where it desperately needed it for me, which would have been footballing stars. Uh, yes,
0: yes. That, that takes us on nicely then, too, footballing stars. Thank you. So we had, it's almost like we planned it, <laughs> Rufus Brevitt and Tony Cotty. Have I missed anybody else?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you miss, yeah, you mean Mr. Presenter Matt Lorenzo, who used to be on Sky, he used to be on M all the time. The guy who I, got... I never even clocked him. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say,
4: shot. Um, um, they all they all got shot, didn't they? Sort of yeah. very, uh, very elaborately, <laughs> from what I can remember.
1: Yeah, because Matt L- Matt Lorenzo used to be, you know, when uh, Russ Williams used to work on Sky as well, like, uh, mid nineties. This is like, right. this is really niche Sky Sports team. Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of talk here. But yeah, there used to be a, a gang of them. like Matt Lorenzo used to be, it's Matthew Lorenzo in the credits of this, so he's upgraded. Um He used to do soccer soccer extra stuff on Sundays and things like that. And I thought, oh, I've seen him for years. Well, I presume he works for being or Premier League TV or something like that now. But yeah, he, he was in, like a proper presenter. For a I mean, that time. is
0: such a throwback. I I probably would have forgotten him if he walked up to me and said, Hello, I'm Matt Lorenzo.
4: So here's my question actually. So what time do you say sort of I guess years? So mid nineties, mid-late nineties.
1: I'd guess so, yeah.
4: So no, I remember him doing ITV, but when was this film set? Are we sort of assuming around sort of twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen?
0: Well, it's it they even say at the beginning that it's the last game at the bowling ground. So it's when so- West Ham moved out of um, upton park
4: so one of the things literally the first note i made on this was um in the girls bedroom there was a west ham poster which was from like the late 90s early noughties with Dix. <laughs> yeah and it was a bit like when you know you see it you like it's always like we've kind of gone west ham cult heroes poster mm. and just found the first one and it's really interesting, but it so, says so, I'm I'm I remember Matt Lorenzo's sort of I'm sure he used to be on like ITV or like even Satanta back in the day. Um, but yeah, there were sort of some really niche, like night, like I say, around the turn of the millennium throwbacks in, in that regard.
1: Mm. Yeah, but that you could explain that away with that person could have been their dads because, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. I've, got yeah. Steve I've also got Steve Bull things over there. <laughs> he retired <laughs> in 1999, so that could be one of them things. Yeah. But I've, I've
0: got to say, like I just about remember Rufus Brevis as a player. I remember him more from Fulham than West Ham. So for me, I, I nearly gave this category a zero. But when I think back to Tony Cotty, he is a legitimate West Ham legend. From When I first got into football, So it would have been West Ham, would have been um, Harry Redknapp's team at that point. And I think Tony Cotty was one of the first players I remember scoring three goals in a game. So I've given them a one for this category purely because of Tony Cotty. I don't really think they deserve anything else because... I
4: was going to say, I've shifted mine up to one. um, (laughs) Just just because I go, yeah, it had some and it... Not that it could and it should have more, but... You know, it could have done cutaways to a bench or something like that, or say it could have had the Dildo Brothers in there, um, just something, so, yeah. Do you know, just something just that would make it, a, a, I guess, more twenty, you know, twenty eighteen relevant rather than nineteen ninety nine mm. relevant. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh,
0: so I think we should just have a quick break there, and then we'll come back with the cultural impact and our overall enjoyment of the film.
3: Hi everyone, Matt from Moltres Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at pixelyetimedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Darmatroyore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? So, the
0: cultural impact. Now, Matt, I think there's only you and I who were the uh, the big wrestling fans in this group, mm-hmm. and I think most of the cultural impact probably comes from the fact that it's big Dave Batista in the mm-hmm. role.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, I've got to say, I really like Batista. Oh, I do. Yeah. I was never really particularly fussed either way when it came to wrestling with him. But going out into the world, and he's actually like putting the effort to make himself into a legitimate actor now. Mm-hmm. So that's where my cultural impact comes from, is the fact that they've got Dave Bautista doing his first starring role in a film that has made it to the cinema.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I scored this, I think, a two, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Not, not glowing um, reviews on it, but... Oddly enough, me and uh, Andy were talking about this earlier. I did my dissertation at university on The Wrestler, the film The Wrestler, sorry, uh, the Mickey Rourke uh, film. And one of the key themes that I I wrote about was um, about kind of masculinity and in wrestling to be battered and bruised and bloody is actually a sign of uh, masculinity and, and strength within the world of pro wrestling. And one thing I think Batista does really well in his action films is he gets beaten up better than any other Hollywood actor. He's convincing <laughs> when he's getting the shit kicked out of him, believe it or not. Mm. And that, you know, that comes from his wrestling background. Like, when he's getting battered by that huge brute in, in, in one of the first fight scenes, you believe it. He's really good at getting his ass kicked, but still coming across as a badass. Um, and his, his tough, grunting persona isn't lifeless either. It's... It's funny. It's humorous, even though you know he, he does quite a lot with what he's given with characters. It, when he's in his more comedic roles as well, like Stuber, um, mm. which was I really enjoyed that. Really yeah, enjoyed it. Same. And um, you know, obviously as Drax as well in Guardians of the Galaxy, he he steals the show without doing a lot or, or being given a lot to work with. Um, so I was really, really, really impressed with him in this film. I thought he um, he was an excellent choice. It could have been a lot more wooden. If um, it was anybody else, it would have been just a bit run of the mill, and it might just it might just be unconscious bias because of you know liking him from a wrestling background, and it's just one more Hollywood name. You know, John mm. Cena is now coming into his own in in some in some films and being quite likable. You know, we, John Cena was excellent in Cockblockers and in Daddy's Home too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed him in this. Sadly, that's where my enjoyment ended from a cultural impact <laughs> point of view. There's not much else in there that, that that really grabbed me, except for one joke that's made by Faisal at the end to get that crowd moving.
2: <laughs> Literally
3: had me laughing out loud because it was just it was the perfect timing and it was perfectly done in a completely unoffensive way as well i just thought it was excellent um yeah. but apart from that you know the, the film doesn't offer a lot from a cultural impact point of view so, it, so i gave it a two I, I had two
0: other points on the cultural impact um the next one i've got is a west ham fan this is an excellent way to sign off leaving the uh the bowling ground <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it is. Like, legitimately, you could like, say, oh, yeah, we've got video evidence that we had to leave and go to a new stadium because our old stadium exploded. <laughs> and I think that's brilliant. And that does leave a bit of a legacy, specifically for West Ham, obviously. It doesn't have much of a wider reach. But I did enjoy that. And the other point I've got is actually on the, the machinations of cinema now. So it was released on the same day streaming and in the cinema. And we seem to be slightly going that way now. in In the real world, that's very much what we're doing. With obviously, I know we're forced to due to the pandemic, but this is the first time that we've seen that happen, and it's been a moderate success. They know that they can put films out via streaming services and get the views that they want. So, for me, those were the two other cultural impacts. Uh, the The legacy of this film. Uh, Stu, have you got anything
1: to to add? When I asked, and I mentioned this film to a couple of people, they had no clue what he was, what I was even on about, which is not great for this kind of <laughs> this segment, is it? And I had to, I said, yeah, Dave Bautista, you know, the big blue guy from Guardians. In, in what? Obviously they know they no, no Drax, but they don't. No one, hardly anyone has heard of this film, and it's like buried in Sky Cinema vaults, you mm-hmm. know, kind of in a way, because it's. So I remember I remember them adverts coming on saying in cinemas and Sky Cinema jointly, and I didn't have Sky Cinema at the time, and I still ain't. Um and I never went to watch it either, even though this is exactly my kind of film. So it was one of them where it was just lost for cinema goers because it wasn't pushed at the cinema that much. It was pushed on telly, and then people who haven't got the channel don't watch it on telly because they haven't got the channel, so Yeah. And I it's think what- that was um that's very much
0: Born out when you look at the uh, the box office. So it was a twenty million dollar budget, and it only recouped seven hundred and seventy six thousand. <laughs> um, but obviously, you can't really judge it on the box office because it wasn't a box office film. It was a TV film, ultimately.
1: Yeah, it was an experiment, in that that for that reason, it didn't work for the cinema version. But no, I mean, uh, you look at it. I, I've, from how good Faisal was in this, I would have expected him to be in other things since. And I don't recognise him. I've um, seen him in
0: the odd thing here and there, but not a massive amount.
1: But yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, it should have more of an impact just for Pierce Brosnan's accent, which we've gone <laughs> nearly 40 minutes without <laughs> even mentioning. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm fucking Piers Brosnan.
4: <laughs> I was going to say, when like again, like before watching it, I, you know, went on Wikipedia and IMDb, just, and it's like, Pierce Brosnan's like second billing. I'm like, i mm. oh, shoot assume he's going to play the baddie. <laughs>
2: and
4: what? How long did it take for him to actually it, it to get featured or recognised? Um, it was a good chunk of the way through, and I think uh, kind of, we've kind of moved on from it. But in terms of sort of storyline, you know, they focus so much on his dead best friend. Was it might have just been the Pierce Brosnan link back, but I was sort of thinking that dead that dead best friend's going to be alive, and he's going to be, um, he's going to be the villain, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm like, No, no, you're just getting Piers Brosnan stuck in your head. Um yeah, like a bit of a waste of Piers Brosnan, would you say?
0: Yeah, it was a bit, but he he's got previous of doing these kind of rocking up for five minutes and just taking a payday, especially at this period of time, like the last ten years. He hasn't done a lot of acting, but he's done a lot of
1: tiny little, little roles. Yeah. I mean, he's—he could have done this in a weekend, couldn't he? Realistically, <laughs> <laughs> and he—he he li- he lives in—he oh, doesn't live in London anymore, does he? So he would have had to fly over for this. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because yeah. he was—I don't know when he was—he was on—he um, was, on, was on Lorraine at the start of um, lockdown, talking about the uh, the world's best film, which is uh, uh, Matthew the uh, Netflix- Eurovision. Yes, exactly. Um, he, was, he, was, <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about that on the rain and he was saying about how he was living in LA and all this kind of thing. So, would it, Unless he just did have a free weekend and thought, oh, go on then, I'll do this for a laugh. But there was there was other things where you'd think, if you're dropping a motorbike onto a stand that was built in the 50s, would the <laughs> yeah. roof manage to sustain it well enough <laughs> to carry on? And It's unlikely, isn't it? And the away fans are not in that stand either because we've all been talked to put off. And there's all these little nonsense bits, but culturally it's got one for me because it's got nothing and no one knows it exists, sadly. Yeah.
2: It,
3: well, it you, is say, a you say that, though. Me doing my due diligence for this for this podcast, I uh, checked some nefarious torrenting websites just to check, you see. And um, there was a surprising amount of... <laughs> um,
4: of <course. laughs>
3: there was what? Sorry. <laughs>
4: Not that you'd never delve on. In, no, English no, no. For, it's well. pure,
3: for purely re, you know, research purposes, there's a yeah.
4: surprising amount of
3: people that are seeding and leeching this film. <laughs>
2: um,
3: so someone's watching it. Someone's watching it. Just West Ham fans. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, just West
0: Ham fans, yeah. If you and look, it's f- like
1: massive in East London. Okay. <laughs> uh, this film is available for 1.99 in HD rental on Amazon Prime. For anyone who's got this far and not watched it.
4: I'm happy with the 99p I paid to watch it via Amazon Prime. I don't think I'm going to have a pressing need to watch it again anytime soon.
3: You didn't go for the buy and keep option then, I take it. Where it's going no, come,
4: thought,
3: come on DVD thought, to your house.
4: Yeah, I thought <laughs> you know, I'll, cope the, uh, I'll cope with the one-off on this one.
0: <laughs> right, so on IMDb, the fan score was a 5.7. The Metacritic score was a 53. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 38%, which I think quite low. Uh, but the Rotten Tomato critic score was 71%. It's Ooh. fresh. I expected this to be very 50-50 down the line pretty much. But So the negative reviews, Ed Poten from The Times, it would be fun if there was a hint of genuine jeopardy. But, I mean, you tell me any film that's got genuine jeopardy. <laughs> It's just and they I don't said, have it. it. You know the good guys are going to win.
4: Yeah, like they. Could, the only thing I could think of is, is, as I said, they killed somebody off earlier on or halfway through who had some level of significance. Importance, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, so, that, that would have made it a bit better.
0: Jonathan Pyle of Empire Magazine. It's let down by lapses into cliché. And by simply not being audacious enough with its action set pieces, they had a but fucking motorbike on the roof for crying <laughs> out. But there were also a few positive reviews. Obviously, we got a 71%. So, Leslie Felperin of The Guardian, final score puts a cheeky British spin on the setup, and it's hard not to smile when an American character gets thumped for calling sport soccer instead of football. <laughs> and Dennis Harvey of Variety. Possibly the least political movie about terrorism ever made. <laughs> Final score has no ambitions beyond pure escapism and it meets its humble goal. That, and that sums it up perfectly for me. It is yeah. just pure
1: escapism. Yeah, and that's that's exactly why I'll it five out of five, because I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. It's completely yeah. ridiculous completely ridiculous. It it knows that it is, but it doesn't it doesn't let it in on the joke. It plays everything straight, which makes it even better. Absolutely. In, in, in this case, anyway, sometimes it, that doesn't work, but in this case, it works perfectly. And I've I'll watch it, I've watched it twice in twelve hours, and it, it's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's magnificent. I mean, I will watch this again. So,
0: I've, most of the films that we've done at this point, it's 50-50 If I ever watch them again, this one I definitely will. I enjoyed it. I like Batiste that he's a believable character in the lead role. He's endlessly likable. He's funny. He's tough. He looks the part. There's no suspension of disbelief with him. He's perfect for the, the position they put him in. And it's the best Die Hard film made since 1988. It's brilliant. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, five stars from me as well, Stu. Absolutely. Hang on. Can we it's
1: just. shaking us. his head. <laughs> Die Harder was 1990. Let's just. just... Clear this is better than Die Hard 2. Oh uh, uh no 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Die Hard 2's got snow as well. It makes it almost better than that. <laughs> Sometimes I'll flip flap between the two which i prefer the most at Christmas time. Now, Can we no.
3: um can we call this podcast Balty Pie Hard or something like that? <laughs> just, just because of how much it's a blatant rip-off.
1: Oh, um, I, <laughs> I miss Balty Pie so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I gave it. Um, I gave it a four on the basis I enjoyed it. I thought it was. Um, it was a good ride. I probably won't watch it again, unless I'm unless like I'm watching it with someone, like to say, oh, "Have you seen this? This might be a laugh kind of thing." Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it. It was a bit silly at parts. You can't take it very seriously. But Dave Batista's performance um, brings it up a point at least, and I'm glad it didn't go down. Like the Cockney geezer football violence rooting yeah, yeah. like in pretty much any capacity because yeah. that's been done to death um, at this point. Um, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's not. That it's you know, it's not the be all and end all of, of action films, um, but it's certainly not the disgrace that I thought it was going to be when I saw what we were doing this film when I looked at the front cover and thought this is going to be enormously shit. And it wasn't. <laughs>
0: Rich, what was uh, your thoughts on your overall enjoyment? Would, would you, you know, recommend
4: it to people? Probably, probably not. Um, I mean, I, I gave it a three. Overall enjoyment, I gave it a three in the end. Um, similar to Matt, I went in with low expectations. <laughs> you know what? For probably the best part of, well, well, yeah, a third of the film, my expectations were being met at that point, but
2: hmm.
4: it did win me over. Um and there as I said there were some really fun parts to it. Uh, but I I think it was lacking in quite a few different ways um when it kind of comes down to it. And you know if you're looking for a I was gonna say if you're looking to watch Die Hard watch Die Hard. Um you know I what I I do I sort of completely agree with Max. I was sort of thinking, sort of in the middle of this, so sort of, I kept I kept trying, almost draw parallels to Green Street because, as I said, I, I remember when they filmed it because I think I did sort of imagine, you know Dave Batiste as a West Ham fan because he watched <laughs> one game in in, in doing it, um, but you know I kept sort of drawing parallels, thinking you know it, how does it sort of compare. Um, to it in a way, and you know, it, there's been a few other sort of, say, Cockney geezer football hooligan films, and it did really well to just not, just not bother discussing it or things like that. But I think there could have been some better ways how they could have kind of got to different points in what they're trying to do. Um, mm. Nonetheless, it wasn't completely crap, so I did give it free <laughs> because he said like. It was At the end of it, there wasn't anything like upsettingly wrong with it. You know, mm. it had some it had some really charming moments, had some good character beats, but I felt actually it was quite unfulfilled by the end of it. So, mm. you know, I, th- I think a free. will I watch it again? Well, I only spent 99p rather than £1.99 on it, so probably not. But you know what? If it was on, uh, on like, you know, 10 o'clock on ITV2, I'd probably have it on in the background quite happily.
2: Mm. So. Yeah.
0: So it must be a cold day in hell because myself and Stuart have agreed on a film. <laughs> <laughs> so this film, I'm assuming we're all sticking with the scores we sent through earlier.
4: Yeah, Correct. Okay. I've, I've shifted mine ever so slightly. So what are you going with now then, Rich? Do you want my total?
0: Just your total, please.
4: Uh... How good can I do maths? Uh, 5, 6, seven, 10. 10, right, <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so, my overall score was a 17. Stu also gave this a 17. Matt came in with a 13, and as you've just heard, Rich is following up with a 10. So, the final score for final score is a 57%, which puts this ahead of when Saturday comes, which was on 54 but behind goal on 66.
3: I'm a little bit disappointed in Matt and Rich. I had a little worry there that this was going to be getting close to the Damned United for for a split second. Well, no, that was like 83% for uh, the Damned United. um, I I think
0: that is untouchable if I'm perfectly honest. I can't imagine anything will come close. If this was was
3: film cast for anything else and it wasn't for a football film, this would have scored a lot higher. Yeah. It's just that you can't call it a football. You can't you can't give it extra points for being a football fan. I gave it I gave it extra points because it's got a wrestler in it. <laughs> like like, <laughs> like forgetting the rules, you know what I mean? Um uh,
4: same. I mean, I gave it three for non-footballing story, two for footballing and um authenticity, one for footballing style, one for cultural impact, and I said three for overall enjoyment. I sort of feel like Stu's just c mine and just sort of gone on steroids
0: on it basically and and, and two on each one yeah and I've got to be honest like Batista is one of those actors that no matter what he's in he automatically gets three extra points Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if it's shit it's at least a three because Batista's in it it's the same with Dwayne Johnson anything with him in it's at least a three star purely because he's in it so yeah you you probably are right it's very much it, it got Given the benefit of the doubt, because we we like the people who made it, I think
4: maybe. <laughs> As I said, it it could have been a really easy painting by numbers football violence action film. It wasn't, mm. and you know for that for that yeah I gave it what is essentially sort of two two out you know two out of five, but that's kind of not awful in a way. No I think it's fair I mean most of
0: the the IMDB score was pretty much 50-50 and we've come out at well it's 57 which they they had a 5.7 so we've come out very much as expected I think and that's that's completely fair So to end the episode I think we'll just throw out a film recommendation each Uh, Matt do you want to start us off?
3: Hmm Um... I was going to talk about Eurovision, um, but <laughs> yeah, let's just but talk no. about it
1: anyway. Oh, God. Yeah, please
3: great. Please watch it.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, um, I want to talk about in pre- in preparation for, for for another thing that uh, project that me, um, Stu and Andy are doing. Um, a film called The House with Will Ferrell. Um, it's one of those kind of little, well, I wouldn't say little unknown films. Um, by Will Ferrell, but it's certainly not got the uh, fanfare that Anchorman would get, or if they brought out, you know, another Zoolander or something like that. Um, do not be put off by this, um, by the reviews of this film. It's excellent. It's a really fun, kind of uh, silly suburban story about a couple that need to get um, tuition for their daughter to go to college. So they set up a casino in their home, basically. Uh, and all of the pitfalls that happens in, in in that story. It's really nicely put together. It's got some it's got some really slapstick moments in it, and it, it takes kind of the piss out of middle America. And it's just it's just a good fun romp without it being anything overly offensive. So if you need something um, kind of popcorn to watch without putting too much into it, and you fancy something new that you haven't seen with Will Ferrell and not watch Anchorman for the fiftieth time, go and uh, watch The House
0: like will ferrell and i second that recommendation because jason manzoukis is in it and he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite comedic actors right now and also amy pola she's just fucking marvelous so yeah that's that's a good shout that is matt uh rich what what's your recommendation please
4: i was gonna say um actually it's really um that is a really good shout it's uh, again some to i think one sort of i've picked out previously in terms of it's almost being like I say i like I was going to say a relatively light hearted comedy, but you know, I, get to, I guess sort of what's the, I've been, it's almost similar to date night in a way in terms mm. of it's it's just a stereotypical sort of middle of the road marriage couple. Um, it's sort of ticking along. Um, I'm a mum. I am a month out when I sort of say this one, but I was sort of thinking V for Vendetta only because I saw it on my shelf recently and I thought, considering how batshit the world is right now. <laughs> and the way you know if in a month's time uh, certain people stay in uh, government in certain <laughs> <laughs> i can sort of, yeah right yeah, like, i'd be interested to sort of see how things go ca- carry on um i guess for anyone who hasn't seen it it's essentially a vigilante film um sort of it uh, got how long, when was it filmed what uh, what Two thousand and five, I think. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, so you know, it ironically it is supposed to be set in the future, which is about now from when the graphic novel was done. Um there are probably some sort of touch points that probably hit quite home still now. Um we just want to say um so be careful on it. But again, I, I don't think you can go wrong with it. No, it's mm-hmm. a good
1: good call, that is. Stu, what's your recommendation? Well it's nowhere near as deep as that. Um I think in keeping with this, um this kind of theme of die-hard-ish films, go and watch the uh Olympus Has Fallen trilogy again. <laughs> 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 how great they are. <laughs> for never pure... seen them. I've never seen oh, them. Come on. Come... No, oh come on. I'll I'll put it on the list. No,
4: London you, is you sport- just Terrible, yeah,
1: but you can't watch london Londoners Fallen, you have to watch the first one first because he doesn't really make any You do because he's there's he will get he'll his OCD won't be able to cope if you don't watch the first one. No, I've got to do so... it in order, I've got to, do yeah. It in order. Yeah. 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 So, watch them, watch the watch Olympus, definitely the other two if you want. Um, but the other one, since we since we... the uh rom com things got been mentioned, there's Thinking about couple films, and there's a a small one from 1983 called Valley Girl that you might have heard of. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Don't do it to yourselves, please. (laughs) It's a coming of age drama. (laughs) I
4: I, I didn't want to do it as a recommendation because, well, they're they're there for a reason. But there's a uh, film on Netflix, which I guess this was the last film I watched, it's always a bit of a struggle for me, because I watch lots of films regularly, but there's a one called Love Guaranteed, um, starring so one for Wayne Brothers, um, and you know what, it's got a really good premise, that it's a man who sues a dating agency, um, who can't find love apparently, despite him being an incredibly attractive man, who's gone on a thousand dates, and still hasn't found the right woman, obviously he falls in love with the solicitor, he's hired to um, <laughs> prosecute, um, and you know what, me and my wife we were really enjoying it up until it just sort of, it decided just, just like properly phone it in for the last like act and it just completely crumbled um, so if you want to watch a good film watch like the first hour of that I think it's 90 minutes long <laughs> um, but yeah, just the end it wasn't even, obviously the ending was they were going to get together everyone, you know you can see it from literally just before you press play. Mm. But how it sort of gets there at the end, it's just like, ugh, really? Um, but yeah. Uh,
0: my recommendation, it is... Basically, I saw this film and it's on what is known as Netflix for horror. It's a streaming service called Shudder and it is a 57-minute film called Host. It is was filmed during lockdown. It's basically a seance that was held over Zoom and shit goes sideways, bad. And I've got to admit, I generally don't get scared when I'm watching films. And this one proper got my nerves jangling. It's very well made. It is well worth a watch. And the other film I'd recommend, which is also on Netflix, is a film called Left Behind. Mm. <laughs> um yeah. Watch Left Behind and then you can join myself, Matthew and Stuart on our other podcast, which is called Cage Fighting, where we discuss films. And this week we are actually discussing this film, Left Behind, and it is arguably the worst Nick Cage film that's ever been made. So, I mean, I mean, it's it's a big claim, but it
3: probably is. So uh, what
2: you, what you need to do is
3: um, is listen to that episode soon before the church come for us and ask us to take <laughs> it down. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to have uh, God's soldiers after us, I think, for, uh, in a short space of time for some of the uh, some of the ranting that goes on, especially for my for myself. Yeah, it's uh, it was an enjoyable episode to record.
0: It just wasn't an enjoyable episode to research. But yeah, Left Behind, it's available on Netflix. Just watch it and let us know what you think. It's a shocker. So there we are for another episode of the Football Filmcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, our back catalogue is available. Uh, if you go into the Wolves FanCast website, you've got the we've got our own dedicated section for the film cast. We've also got Hoopsies Stories from the Pack, the Alternative Hall of Fame, and Richie's Draft episode, which I think Rich, we need to do another one uh, going forward, another draft episode.
4: Yes, um, I, I was going to say I have. Um, I will need to find it, but I have fired up the computer before, and I've got a list of every Wolves player. We played for in the two thousands. Essentially, just a bit of a teaser. It splits up into two um, because turns out Mick McCarthy used a lot of players because we actually <laughs> had three, we had well technically we had four managers in the two thousands. Um, so essentially, it go. I think it is a, a split of uh, Colin Lee players,
2: mm. uh,
4: Dave Jones, uh, Glenn Hoddle and Mick, but because basically Mick got to the Prem, he used a hell of a lot more players, so we'll we'll have a variation, it might be like six from one, five from the others, so or you can have a maximum of seven, haven't quite decided yet but we'll definitely add it into a rota maybe in the next international break and um, it'll be a really good one uh, we also have our um, a couple of mental health podcasts on the website as well
0: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, we are recording this on the uh, the weekend of World Mental Health Day as well. So obviously, if you ever want to chat or anything, just drop us a line to our, our Twitter, which is the at WWFC fancast, or you can get us on the emails and everything too. We'd love to hear from you. So for this episode, it is goodbye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. It's goodbye from Rich. Sayonara. It's goodbye from Stu. Cody for and it's goodbye from me and remember be excellent to each other